Thank you so much. So we're going to take 10 minutes for reactions, questions and comments. I think I'll take three in one go. We had Graham. It, it occurs to me uh, after 50 years of uh, political activism that um, our problems, you know, economic, political problems, refugees, climate change, etc., etc., uh, are getting ever more, uh, are ever worse and uh, ever more complex, ever more deep-rooted. And our means, our political means of, of, uh, of addressing these problems is getting ever more dysfunctional and deficient. If, if you agree with that, can, can you just comment on what you think will be the way of changing our political system? My question, my question is, why didn't you can mention the OECD initiative to establish uh, statistics for well-being to replace GDP and integrated reporting and widely promote B corporations which might allow you to look after the environment and still concentrate power and unethical and perpetuate the, the exploitation of, uh, as Richard said, absolute power of directors to corrupt themselves their business and what they're doing as enforced by the king in South Africa. The last question is double-edged accounting it is a method of hiding how investors get overpaid in an unlimited, uncontrolled way, which is not reported by accountants and so not noticed by uh, economists to Thanks. get inequality of wealth. Thanks. I'd like to make a provocation that I kind of disagree that it's the political economy I suggest is the, the economy um, and theory behind it. Uh, the Queen, after the financial crisis, went to LSE and asked, why didn't anyone see this happen? I suggest it's the theory behind economics that we really have to look at, and then eventually the political economy might fall into line. Um, look, just quickly, uh, no, I, I, I don't share your assessment. Uh, 20 years ago, 19 years ago, 17 years ago, every time I've been to this meeting before, the first cab off the rank for why we lose is the Murdoch Press. Murdoch Press is the number one problem. Uh, Murdoch raged against the Victorian ALP to no effect, the Queensland ALP to no effect, and the Daily Telegraph worked harder against the ALP here in New South Wales than any other state, and this is where they lost all their seats. So we've told ourselves that media is the reason, you know, concentration of the media is why we can't win political fights for 20 years. Uh, that's not holding up anymore. Uh, social media is transforming the way people can talk to each other. Um, the business council are eating themselves at the moment on the front page of the Fin Review every day because business leaders were afraid to speak up during the election. The BCA are out there saying, we need CEOs to speak up in defence of tax cuts for the rich. And all the CEOs are saying, yeah, no thanks, mate. Uh, that's, that's what we pay you for. We'll be keeping our brand's reputation silent. Um, so there are lots of reasons that we may well fail, uh, but I don't think it's inevitable that we will. I think these fights are getting easier, uh, not harder. Um, the stakes are getting higher. We've got less time to win them, but I don't... In, in my adult lifetime, it's never been better than this. Um, uh, in terms of Shan's point, um, look, I, I presume it wasn't directed at me, but to be clear, we've, the Australia Institute measured the genuine progress indicator and highlighted the problems with GDP 20 years ago. Yep, the OECD's had a crack. A new number alone will never win our problems. That will never win our fights. Sure, go do new indicators. I've been involved in nearly all of them in Australia. Great, tick. They don't help you win.
right? They're a thought experiment. They're a way to get people to understand what the problems with GDP are. They do not make cabinet ministers go, oh, oh, now I get it. Quick, somebody ring Gina and tell her she can't have a coal mine. I've just seen the wellbeing indicator. Now, I know that's not what you're saying, but I think we have to be very careful kidding ourselves that if only we could measure externalities accurately, people that make a fortune by using them for free will just put their hands up and say, oh, you pinged me. You got me now. So, yep, new indicators tick. They have a role. It's a small one. This is about politics. This is not about measures. And look, as for theory, no, nah, look, you know, economic theory is wrong about so many things that it's never stopped people listening to it. Uh, the idea that we have to get its theory into shape before we can go out and win a fight tomorrow, uh, I got uh, intellectually and politically, I, I don't go along with that. Sure, I'm an escapee from academia, got no problem with academics coming up with better theories of this and better theories of that. But let's be clear, the right have been winning on the back of a shit theory for 50 years. Um, <laughs> they didn't need a good theory to win. Jane, do you? Um, briefly, uh, I didn't mention the OECD uh, because it's one of many um, initiatives to rethink national measures and I was particularly wanting to focus on the corporation because I think the corporation is a much more significant um, economic agent in the 21st century, uh, given that of the 51 biggest economies on earth in 2010, oh, sorry, of the 100 biggest economies on earth in 2010, 51 were corporations, um, which is why I'm so interested in the benefit corporation, because I guess analogously to attempts to rethink national measures, the benefit corporation is a new sort of economic agent that must give a net benefit to the environment and society. So it seems that if we can tinker with the very fundamental building block, the biggest one of the global economy, and actually change its imperative away from profit to benef net benefit to society and nature, then that would be a massive, massive change indeed. And from what I've read and um, heard from speaking to people working in this area, uh, it's, it's definitely a better model than the old corporation, so I'm going to continue to advocate it. Hi, it seems to me that you're talking about framing. So I was wondering what your ideas were on bringing neuroscience, social psychologists, cognitive linguists into the discussion, because it seems to me that that's what's missing, people like George Lakoff, because figures, data, don't change minds. It was the dead little boy on the beach that grabbed people around refugees. It was the Four Corners program. It wasn't data and analytics. Uh, I'd like to contrast the two speakers. The first saying, uh, measures and tools don't matter, it's actually, I guess, the ethics and the power sitting behind it. The second speaker was talking about accounting tools and a lot of what she was talking about, I heard about triple bottom line accounting years ago and whether it be social entrepreneurship, whether it be shared value, a lot of that's actually driven by the big end of town for their own agendas um, and I, I would like a little more of a critique 
um, between the instruments and the, the, the power that sits behind them. My name is Tom. Just a comment um, to make it more concrete as a practical action. With an economics background that I have, um, let's just reduce interest rates in Australia and around the world to what they were for the m majority of money's history, zero. Hooray for the comment about Lakoff and framing. That's fantastic. Um, I, don't, I didn't talk about it today because I was restricted to 20 minutes, but of course, absolutely, it's about framing the conversation and sort of reworking the language uh, as far as what you know, images get people's attention. I think that's a slightly different question, but I completely agree that it's about framing questions, which is why I'm interested in this framework, which brings together all sorts of values um, never previously being considered together by accountants. And I totally agree uh, with the comment about this integrated reporting being driven by the big end of town. I mean, for goodness sake, the, its greatest advocates come from KPMG and the big four accounting firms. So I'm sorry if it appeared from my talk that I was advocating it. As I said, I fell accidentally into the bowels of the global financial system having followed um, Renaissance art, and um, but this is what I f fell into, and I think it is a very in you know it's the only second revolution in the history of accounting, the first being double entry bookkeeping. So I think it's a really interesting thing that it's happening now, and it diagnoses from within the heart of global capitalism the many failings of this system. Um, but you know, so I have written about it out of curiosity. And I've just been surprised at how many people have found it a useful language for bringing important things into the room with financial people and that these tools have been quite persuasive and in fact effective in altering the way, for example, that Costa Rica valued its forests, which resulted in a net increase, I think, the forest cover of Costa Rica after they used effectively integrated reporting in the national accounts, increased their forests by more than 50%. So, you know, it does have some teeth. But that's why I moved on to move beyond integrated reporting to benefit corporations and the rights of nature. Um, look, uh, thank you. And look, the, you're spot on. Of, of course, the way we frame debates matter. Indeed, the whole reason I wrote Econobabble was to help non-economists engage with the framing of economic speak, of economic framing. Um, the, the most powerful framing of all is actually a meta frame that there is no alternative. Like really that's the most, and I hate to say it, I think a lot of progressives have fallen into this trap. So there is no alternative. All sensible people know that if we don't listen to the market, then the wrath of the market will destroy our children's jobs. Keeping people afraid of unemployment, keeping people afraid of poverty is the frame of those that have won political fights in the Western world for the last 50 years. So the way I try to get people to understand that frame is to just, every time you hear someone talk about the market, all a market is is a place where buyers and sellers come together. So think about the fish market, where people who want fish show up and people who've got fish show up and they sell fish at the fish market. Ask yourself, what does the fish market want? What does the fish market need? Well, the finance markets are no different. Talking about what the market wants is the ultimate reframing. Because what the market 
is a metaphor for is rich people who own a lot of shares. Good, you're laughing because we need the whole world to laugh when we're told that the market reacted angrily to suggestions. (laughs) No, stick with me because you're not laughing enough, right? The market reacted angrily to suggestions that capital gains tax concessions should be removed. No, the market didn't react angrily. Rich people who owned a lot of shares reacted angrily. Yet we, day in and day out, are exposed to this bizarre notion that like Zeus and Apollo, the Greek gods, the the, the finance markets will punish us if we invest too heavily in health or education. It is the ultimate framing problem to we need to understand what a market is. It's a place where buyers and sellers come together. It wants nothing. Participants in the market want different things. Buyers want low prices, sellers want high prices. It's not rocket science. Um, Just quickly, as to the tension between us, I don't think there's a tension. I think, of course, we need tools. I think tools and measurements matter, but tools and measurements don't make powerful people abandon their interests. Thank you both to the two speakers together. I would like to thank them.